So our motto for our church is live well, love well, life well, and we're learning how to love well. The first week that we discussed this, I talked about uh, the four loves, and I actually only showed you three levels of love, right? Um, I, uh, I had the kids come here and just build this pyramid, and I showed them that the bottom level was agape love, say agape. And the middle level that you, you, you the, the next level that you can go up, that you build on, is philia, say philia. philia. We used to call it philos because the Greek word for friend is philos. Um, but philia is actually the, the Greek word. This is the milk of human kindness. This is friends and family love. And then the top level is eros love. And uh, Pastor Craig is actually going to address that next week. So you say, well, I thought this was the four love. So what's the fourth one? Well, the fourth one that I believe you find within all of the other loves is storge. Say that. Storge. Really weird word, right? And it's actually not even used in the Bible, but that is the Greek word that C.S. Lewis uh, recognizes as representing affection. Let's just think about that, affection. Now, there is a word that's used in the New Testament, which interestingly was not the word that Lewis used, but it's the word, and this is another weird sounding word, it's the word splanknon. Can you say that? I know, you don't even want to say it, do you? You're like, that sounds like, you know, something you would spit. I splank known about you, right? Well, what it is, is it's, it's visceral, right? Literally, it's the Greek word for your guts. I know, disgusting, right? So that's, if you look at these old poetic, you know, books, they'll talk about, you know, the, the bowels of love. Bowels don't really connect with love, in my opinion, right? But it's your viscera, your bowels, it's, it's here. It's like, oh, I love you with my guts, man. Um, and so, but it's actually used quite often by Paul toward the, the people in the churches that he was so affectionate toward. Um, but what I wanna talk about this week, I wanna talk about affection. Affection is very natural for some people, and for other people, it's very, very difficult. Affection is how we show our love. Now, Lewis separates it out as a completely separate love. He sees it as being something that stands on its own. But I have seen it as a good way of understanding what kind of love, if indeed you have love at all, for someone else. Here's the reality. Uh, I gave you guys the definition for love uh, the first week that we talked about it. And this comes from Lewis as well, and I've agreed with this ever since I read it. Love is acting in the best interest of the beloved. Love is always an action, right? It's a decision that you make. It's a determination to act, right? It's a commitment to do what's good for the other person. So that can be very intellectual. It can be very much up here. As I've told you, you can love somebody in this sense that you don't even really like. You don't have feelings about them. Like as far as, you know, splank known goes, affection goes, you don't, there's no flutter in your stomach. There, there's no, you know, warm cockles of your heart. There's just, no, I'm just gonna do what's good for that person. Uh, you know, I don't even know if I like them, right? Uh, some people, we just have this natural connection to when we see them and other people we may have this natural dislike for. We might not even know why, but that's just the way human beings are, what the apostle Paul would call our flesh. And what I'm trying to help you do is use this, use your brain, use your mind and understand these things so that you can redirect what you do, how you do it, right? And why you do it. 
I am encouraging you very strongly to base every human relationship on love with the definition that love means acting in the best interest of the beloved, doing what's good for the other person, right? It, as I've said every week so far, you can even do that for your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Well, that doesn't mean I have warm feelings for them. That doesn't mean I wanna just run and give my enemy a big hug. I might not even trust them enough to get that close to them, but I can act in their best interest. But then you build up from that, and we talked about uh, seven qualities of a healthy friendship last week. So friendship love, I talked about how uh, that kind of love needs to be, uh, it needs to be free, there needs to be respect, um, there needs to be likeness, there needs to be something between you all that, that you have alike, uh, some common interest that you have. It needs to be honest. You, you can't lie to a friend. The, the two of you need to be honest with each other. It needs to be um, based on trust. Without trust, there is no friendship and there needs to be loyalty. But the loyalty, again, is going to come from one person to the other person. It's not the basis of some sort of an artificial commitment that you make, uh, some, or maybe not even artificial, I should, shouldn't say that, perhaps formal commitment. And so last week when we had a bunch of our, our youth that were here, and we still have a, a number of them that were here, I encouraged young people to base their relationships, their dating relationships, their boyfriend-girlfriend relationships on friendship. Like make that, you know, agape, the basis for every human relationship. And then build up from that, build a good friendship, a good solid friendship with that person, right? And then as we'll talk about next week, um, Eros love is exclusive. Uh, that's why there's so much jealousy surrounding this kind of love. But I want us to look this week at how affection factors into those, or more specifically, how it sort of draws boundaries. It helps you understand what kind of love you really have. So let's just think about it this way. Agape love is located here, right? I'm thinking about this. I'm deciding to do something in your best interest. Philia love is here and here, right? Uh, you know, I, I have compassion towards someone. Uh, I, I, I feel affection toward them. Call that, you know, your guts, like the, you know, the, the uh, New Testament word known, or call that your heart, because really oftentimes that word known to help us understand it in English is just translated heart. You know, my heart goes out to you. You wouldn't say my guts go out to you. That's just kind of weird, okay? But that was the way they located this emotion. And then emotions related to Eros love are, we still have some kids in the room, we'll say below the waist and above the knees, okay? What the, uh, the Bible would call the loins, right? The sexual parts of the body. They are attracted to, drawn to, want to express some sort of connection with someone in this Eros type of relationship. So number one, if you're following along with me in your bulletin, is distance demonstrates intent. I can tell, and you can too now, now that I'm going to say this to you, you can always tell the type of relationship that two people have with each other by the distance between them, the normal average distance between them. You can always tell. So when I used to be a youth minister, I would watch teenagers. And as their relationship would develop, you would notice that they would draw physically closer and closer together. When I had teenagers in my youth group that just literally would not separate, I knew that they were involved in an Eros relationship. And that might've been 
because they, well, not because, it might have involved them doing some things that are outside of marriage that should not be, right? So distance demonstrates intent. So for agape, the distance is four to six feet. This is the type of distance you should maintain between you and people that you don't know. Now, there's, there are really good safety reasons for this, to be honest with you. I mean, we've heard the six foot rule since the pandemic started, because that's supposedly the distance that the you know, spit falls off, I guess, and doesn't hit somebody. Um, but four feet is the general distance, at least in many Western countries and certainly in the United States, that is public space. And the reason for that is because that's the distance between your arm and touching someone else, right? So if someone wanted to grab something from you or grab you or hit you or do something like that, it's they have to move inside four feet in order to do that. So younger people, you need to understand this, right? Um, if you've got somebody that you don't trust that is all up in your space, you need to be concerned about that. If you've got somebody that you don't know and they're constantly inside that space, you might feel weird about it. Now, the younger you are and the more trusting you are as a person, the more likely you are to just simply let that happen. Can I just say this to you, especially young ladies and, and younger boys? Don't let that happen. You don't have to be weird about it and say, "Ew, get away from me. All right. But move away. I'm just going to be straight up with you. If you don't have a relationship with an adult that your parents know about and approve of, they have no business being inside that four foot zone. Does that sound too restrictive to you? Doesn't to me. They have no business being inside that four foot zone. Now that doesn't mean, you know, let's say a teacher, okay? Normally you would trust your teacher. You know, I know that there, there are limitations in the type of affection that teachers can show these days. And it's because of how this has just gotten out of control and, and people are, uh, harming each other uh, with uh, physical things. We'll just say it that way, okay? But somebody that, you know, pats somebody on the back or something like that. That doesn't mean don't ever get, you know, younger people. This doesn't mean don't ever get closer than four feet, feet with somebody. It just means, are they hovering there, right? It, it, there are times when you are. So for instance, I'm gonna give you an example of, uh, of this and it will go, go uh, in the next uh, column as well under displays well, I'll just give you number two. Displays of affection are different for each type of love. So now I've said that and I can show you how these things fit. Um, there was a man when I was going into uh, Lifetime Fitness yesterday and he's probably, I don't know, I'm getting pretty old so it's hard for me to tell anymore, but he was probably close to my age but maybe a little bit younger. And, you know, he held the door for me. I'm like, well, you know, that's cool. I said, yeah, you know, thank you. And then he ran up and grabbed the other door, right, and held it. And so I patted him on the back because he was just, like he was cool, you know, I, I just thought, I don't know, I just had a sudden display of affection. I just thought, you know, that was super nice of you. There, there's just too much rudeness out there, guys. And then sometimes that's even in the church. Sometimes it's just, we just take each other for granted. We don't pay attention to each other. That's a sign of affection for agape is you just pay attention to somebody, acknowledge them, just acknowledge that they're there. You're not that important. Can I just be honest with you? You are not that important. And you show that you're less important than you think you are if you refuse to acknowledge people that are around you, right? We're supposed to honor others above ourselves. If you refuse to acknowledge people, it just shows that you are either hard-hearted or insecure or both, right? So um, distance demonstrates intent. For philia, the distance is two to four feet, 
right? That's the distance for friends. You can hear them better. You can reach out, you know, pat them on the back, give them a hug, those sorts of things. In other cultures, it's common for friends, whether they're male, male, female, female, whatever, it's common for friends to hold hands. Um, I can remember some years ago when George W. Bush was president and he was visiting Saudi Arabia, uh, the king of Saudi Arabia and George W. Bush were holding hands. It's very common in their culture to do that. So for us, that seems weird. You're like, what, were they dating? No, it's just the way they express friendship. And even on a, you know, a level of two heads of state, that's what they do. And they just have different ideas about that. But it shows trust. That's what it shows, okay? Um, so friends and family members are gonna spend two to four feet. So probably if it's somebody that you don't know, um, that you haven't developed trust for yet, you're gonna feel somewhat uncomfortable sitting right next to them. That's why we feel weird when we're on airlines. Anybody feel weird when you're on an airline and you're like, oh man, who's gonna sit next to me, right? You would really prefer that, you know, you sit on the window and they sit on the aisle or vice versa and leave a seat between us. It's not quite four feet, but it's about four feet and you'll see what I'm saying is true. But then this person just comes and plops down behind. Now, I'll be honest with you, some people just don't have boundaries. They just don't know. They just, you know, they, they just, you know, come sit and, and spout out all sorts of information about their personal life that you really don't even want to know, okay? But that's the thing, you know, about an, uh, an you know, uh, an airline or, or sitting at a counter. Uh, there are fewer and fewer counters these days. You know, uh, used to be soda fountains have counters and they have a, a I guess you would call it the bar over at Intrinsic, uh, but it's like a counter. That's where I eat my food. Sometimes if it's full, or if the seats are not properly spaced, then I'll go sit at a table, but I feel bad when I sit at a table, why would that be? Because I'm taking up four chairs, right? But I can remember Intrinsic was really full one night and I was sitting in this table and these two guys went and got their food and one of the, I think it was actually the owner that came and said, do you mind if these guys sit next to you? I was like, hey, no, that's cool. And I ended up having this really cool conversation with these two guys that I had never met you know, before in my life. So I'm not saying that you don't ever get inside that. I'm saying when you develop trust with somebody and you have a friendship with them, then it's more common to sit next to them, right? Because you're in talking distance and touching distance, right? Um, and I've demonstrated this before with people that I know they may come to my church, but I've demonstrated this with people just by taking a step toward them. So I'm looking at people, some of you I've known most of your lives, some of you I only met in the last several years, but there's a comfortable distance between you and I, and typically it would be out here right around four feet, okay? But if I've known you, you know, or whatever, I might come in and give you a hug, but then I'm still gonna step out to that respectful distance. But see, if you don't know me, if you're a visitor to this church, well, I might come up and shake your hand or give you a fist bump or something like that. But if I were to stand right there in your face, okay? I want you to think two feet. Two feet is like elbow to the tips of the fingers. That's 18 inches, but that's roughly two feet. You probably would feel somewhat uncomfortable with that. And you should, because I'm invading your personal space and I shouldn't be doing that. So what's my motive for that? Well, you know, some people, the motive is intimidation. Reputedly, uh, how many of you know who LBJ is? Hey, we've got a freeway named after him, right? Lyndon Baines Johnson. He was very tall. And one of the things that he liked to do to intimidate people was get right inside their personal space and stand next to them and tower over them. That was his way of 
uh, of domineering and getting his way, essentially. He was very, very famous for that, LBJ. You can look it up. Right? And then, of course, uh, letter C is Eros. The distance that demonstrates intent there is two to four feet. Uh, I'm sorry, touching to two feet. Touching to two feet. So uh, this, this varies because... Uh, Obviously, you're not in an eros relationship with your child. This is where this breaks down. That's philos love, right? But the, the younger the child is, the more dependent upon you they are, and the more they want to be right next to mommy. But notice, as they grow older, what do they do? They want their space, right? They want to, they want to create that. It's just natural. It's in us. But for adults, for young people, right, for older children, being in touching space all the time is saying something different than I want to be your friend, okay? So if agape love is here and philia love is here, then eros love is down below the waist, okay? And there are affection, affectionate feelings, we could say, if they're on the up and up, that are coming from that region. So displays of affection are different for each type of love. And this is where the boundaries come in. So there are physical boundaries. Now you understand those physical boundaries that are expressing, describing, if it is indeed love at all, certainly the kind of relationship you have. So for agape, uh, the type of affection there could be the, this gentleman that, that walked through the door the other day, I patted him on the back, right? Um, it could be, you know, like we do here in church, it could be a fist bump. Um, if you're in church and we're encouraging you to greet one another, you know, some of you are more, you're just more naturally affectionate. Um, you know, you shake hands, you know, give somebody a quick side hug. But notice it's quick and then you're back out again. It's your, your understanding. This is the kind of relationship we have. If somebody in this church during the welcome comes up and just gives you this big bear hug and won't let go, there's a problem there. And you need to come and talk to me and I'll talk to them because maybe their boundaries are not where they should be, all right? Hopefully there's nothing remiss there. But uh, expressing affection in agape love could be everything from a smile to a conversation. But above all, I would say this, with agape, you are paying attention to other people, paying attention to someone other than yourself, right? For philia, uh, this is a type of affection that shows trust and loyalty. So in our culture, probably the most common type of uh, physical affection in philia love, in friendship love, is the hug, right? Um, you know, if, if it's, uh, you know, an older person uh, and, and they're giving a hug to a younger person, then it's typically a side hug or it's a, you know, a bent over and a, and a, and a pat the, the back type of hug. We're often more affectionate with children and they are more affectionate with us. And yet we all still need to be very careful because there are those in the world that take advantage of those sorts of things, right? Um, in cultures, still to our day, but for many years, the kiss was the sign of friendship. In fact, on a number of occasions, the Apostle Paul tells the people of the churches that he was responsible for to greet one another with a holy kiss. That's not what we do in our culture. Uh, they still have the habit in France of doing the, you know, the cheek to cheek, right? Kiss to each cheek. Hopefully that helps you to understand that this is not what the kiss has come to mean in our culture. Now, a, a, a quick kiss, right? Especially a kiss on the cheek. This is typically the kiss um, between, you know, relatives, right? 
your auntie and you, your mom and you, and so forth, right? It's a, it's a kiss. It's not a lingering kiss. And you know it's different. It feels different. And kids, this is where I typically don't tell people to trust their feelings, but when it comes to something like this, trust your feelings. If you feel icky about it, then move this person away, okay? This is not what we want. I want us to be affectionate people. I don't want us to have so much of a guard up that we can't be affectionate to one another, but I want us to understand that there are ways to do this that are healthy, right? Um, now, more personal conversations are also, I think conversation is misunderstood. It can demonstrate affection, the, the feelings that you have for that, that person, right? So uh, in a friendship, the conversation is gonna become more intimate, more, uh, more trusting. Uh, as I said last week, when you are judging uh, how transparent to be with someone, imagine an inverted skyscraper, right? So instead of a skyscraper going up into the sky, imagine one that digs down into the earth and each level, and then imagine an elevator descending down, and each level down is a level of further intimacy and uh, a willingness to be more open about your life. And if you want to discover whether somebody is ready to be more trusting with you, then you go down a level and maybe you share something that is uh, more intimate than they have shared. Not a lot, just a little and you see if they come down to that floor with you. And if they don't, don't keep going down. Don't be one of these people that just blurts out everything that's going on in your personal life because you need a friend. Because what you may find out is that this person is not your friend at all, and they're gonna end up turning that around and using it against you. You don't need to be doing that, right? But there are many of us who won't enter into a very trusting relationship with another person because we won't go down beyond the ground level or you know the first level. We, we just are, we're too untrusting, we're too afraid of what other people are going to think, and so we won't do that. But one of the signs of affection and signs of a healthy friendship is that you can be honest with them and you can share with them and you know they're not gonna share that outside of your friendship, all right? You're just being open and honest. And then of course, um, Eros, which uh, Pastor Craig, who is married, will share about next week, is intimacy. It, it shows intimacy, it is physical connectedness, exclusivity, right? So philos love, the love of a friend, is not exclusive. You have more than one friend, at least I hope you do, right? You're open at least to have more than one friend. You, when you are with one friend, if this is a healthy friendship, you're open to invite other people into that friendship. So it is selective, everybody should not be your friend, right? Because we need to go through uh, those qualities of a healthy friendship and say, okay, are these there? Is this relationship free or are they being demanding to me, right? Is, is the, do we have anything in common or are we just together because there's nothing else to do, right? Uh, is there respect here between me and this person? Um, is, there, uh, is there honesty? Is, can I trust this person? Is there loyalty in this relationship? Okay, and so when you have those qualities, then okay, this is a, this is a healthy friendship that I can, that I can have. Um, but that's not gonna be the only person in that relationship. Because it's a free relationship, you invite other people into your friendship. So two friends will enjoy having a third. Three friends will enjoy having a fourth. You get too many and it's just kind of loud and rambunctious and it's not really, it's just a bunch of people hanging out, which is fun too. 
But I strongly encourage younger people, if you want to stay where you need to be, uh, if you end up, you know, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, be with other people. Be with another couple. Don't be weird about everything, okay? You can, that just ensures that there's safety in that kind of relationship. But when we come to Eros, it's exclusive. It's two people. It's one man and one woman for life, period. Now, why do we have so much confusion about this today? It's precisely because people don't understand the boundaries of affection. We have, we don't, first of all, we don't understand that love expresses itself in different ways. We only have one idea of love, and that is that it is like this flutter in my stomach, right? Or it's like I feel something towards someone in my heart, or it's a flutter that is down below the waist, and that's what's causing me to want to be with someone else. Um, but the reality is affection expresses these things, but it is not these things itself. So number three, I, I made clear up front, every human relationship should be based on agape, right? That's every human relationship. Number four, what kind of relationship should, in, should also involve philia? So what's the next level up? Well, that's a friendship or uh, a family relationship, or I have taught for more than 30 years, this is where boyfriend-girlfriend relationships should be, philia, friendship, right? And what kind of relationship should involve eros? Husband and wife, a man and a woman only. One man, one woman, life. That's God's pattern. Now, I know there's all sorts of discussion about other things in our culture today. My only intent today is not to fight other people about these things, but to teach you what the Bible is clear about. Jesus affirmed God's plan when he talked to the Pharisees who were very, uh, they were big on divorce. They, they would divorce their spouse for no reason whatsoever, okay? And there were two rules of thumb in Jesus' day. You either uh, only married one person and if you divorced them, you didn't ever get remarried or you could remarry as often as you wanted and you could divorce for any reason, at least if you were the, you were the man. And Jesus came down on the side of, no, marriage should be for life. That's God's pattern. And he said, or have you not heard that he who made them, that is God created us. So let's, let's start off with this. God created you. Say, God created me. God created you. From the beginning, created us male and female. You have been created male or female from the beginning. Now, there are all sorts of confusing feelings that people have about this, and I understand that. I'm not trying to disparage anybody's feelings and, and you know, what they're doing with them. I'm just telling you what God's plan is. This is what Jesus said. He affirmed Genesis, and he, have you not read, he who created them from the beginning created them male and female. And then he said, and a man will leave his father and mother and cleave or be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. That's the plan, friends, right? That's not just some superficial thing that is from some old book. That's in you, right? That's in your physicality. You can do all sorts of things to, to change your exterior. You can dress differently, cut your hair differently, uh, take, in, take various chemicals into your body or whatever, but you are a male or you are a female and God's plan for you is to be with the opposite sex. And if that's not what you want, it's not God's plan for everybody to be married, all right? I'm getting quite old and I'm still not married. Now, that doesn't mean that that will never happen, but at this point, I'm thinking it may never happen, okay? Um, 
the, the point that I'm trying to get across is everybody's not alike, but God has created everybody with a plan. And when we follow his plan, we're going to be happy. When you follow the world's plan, you know, it's, it's kind of like buyer's remorse. You can be sucked into buying all sorts of stuff, right? So my lease is fixing the end on my truck. And so I'm starting to look, you know, okay, what am I going to get next? Uh, now I'm into the zone where I, you know, I want to save some money rather than getting another lease. But man, there's all these temptations out there, right? I mean, I've been leasing with Nissan for more than 20 years and the Nissan Z is fixing to come out like it's the brand new one. Yeah, can you see me in a little sports car? That'd be awesome, right? So I'm like, oh, well, if they give me a good deal. But see, what happens is when you get into something like that and it's not what you should have done, you're either paying too much or you know, you're, you're wasting resources, you have buyer's remorse, right? You're like, oh man, why did I get sold on that, okay? This happens in relationships too. You know, I get pulled into a relationship because I'm so physically attracted to that person. But as I said, you need to build a friendship because, you know, if you're going to end up being with that person as a partner for life, that's called marriage, then something more than romance will have to hold it together. Something more than the physical expression has to hold it together. And friendship will be a, something that you can be, a, that is a bedrock that you can go back to, that you can, you can found that relationship on. And that's how when you get to be 70 or 80 years old and you're still in that relationship with that person and the fire of romance burned out a long time ago, or at least the physical parts of it, you're still in love with them because you've chosen to love them. You've chosen to commit your life to them. You, you have these things in common. You have a healthy friendship with them, right? Okay. Um, so that's God's plan. That's God's pattern. A husband and a wife, a man and a woman only. That's what er should involve Eros. Our problem today is and this is number six, is the inability or the unwillingness, just outright rebellion, to distinguish these loves and draw these boundaries. So I'm. this is not a touchy-feely message. What I've tried to do through this whole series is get you to engage your mind, to think about these things, to consider how you handle these relationships, every relationship. And then we're going to jump directly out of this and do this, this small group study. And by the way, I put these books down here. I forgot to tell Craig, I was going to give these out to all of the, the group leaders and have them hand them out. But if you're going to be in one of these small groups, this is the book for it. You can just come up and grab one of these. And uh, the book is seven bucks. And you can put that in the offering or you can put it in that box in the back. But the point is, we're going to take action with this. We're not just going to talk about love for four or five weeks and then move on. I want to strengthen you, or strengthen your relationships. And it shouldn't just be teaching from me that helps. So Pastor Craig will, will teach next week. This is a Rick Warren study, and I'm sure he'll have a lot of really, really good things to say. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and step into this very, very briefly. I'm just going to touch on this, and I'm going to be very gentle about it, right? Um, what if someone is same-sex attracted, right? So someone identifies and they say, I'm gay, right? What if they are same-sex attracted? What do they do with this? You can love someone of the same sex, but understand this, sex, as in sexual expression, is not love. A woman can love a woman, but sex is not love. Whether it's between a woman and a woman or a woman and a man, sex is not love. It may be, it can be an expression of love. 
but it is not love. And in fact, as I say often, it often ruins relationships rather than enhances relationships. If it is done the way God intends, as Pastor Craig will get into next week, then it can strengthen and enhance that relationship. If it's not, then it won't. So last week I ended by reading the passage uh, about David and Jonathan and showing that they had a very, very strong love for one another to the degree that it, when Jonathan passed away, Jonathan was the prince and David would be the next one to, to come to the throne. And when Jonathan passed away, David said, your love for me, Jonathan, was wonderful. It was greater even than the love of women. And David knew the love of women. He, like many in his day, had many wives and many children. But Jonathan loved David and sacrificially sought to protect David. And there was a very, very close bond and a very real love between those. That can happen. That doesn't mean that you are gay. That doesn't mean that that relationship is, is based on homosexuality, right? So what I want you to understand is the proper way to express love for someone is within the boundaries of these love. And if it's friendship, then it is never ever going to be sexual in nature, right? So I said same-sex attracted advisedly. There's all sorts of reasons for that. And I'm not gonna get into that. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm just gonna say, I understand that that is the case for many, many people. And they start feeling that at a certain age. And that convinces them, well, maybe I'm not meant to be with the opposite sex, but that's not necessarily the case at all. And it is certainly not the case that you should go through life assuming that you should marry the same sex or be engaged in physically intimate activities with the same sex. That's just not God's plan. Now, I'm not into trying to tell people outside the church that are not following Jesus how to live their lives, okay? I'm not interested in, in hearing about what everybody does in their own private and intimate space, but I am very interested in helping you to understand what the Bible teaches right? Uh, the further our culture moves away from this, the more unpopular statements like I'm making right now will be. But I believe that it is important for me to address these things, even with our, our younger youth and a few children in the room, because this is, this is going on around you. And you are hearing things that are very, very confusing. I'm just trying to help you understand what God's plan is, right? So philia is the type of love between same-sex friends, never eros. A friend may be close, but never crosses the boundaries of physical intimacy or exclusive commitment, or you ruin the friendship. That's just factual, okay? So finally, number seven, in conclusion, um, these boundaries will ensure that your relationships are healthy. Refuse these, and you will surely hurt yourself and other people. And this is what I saw happening back in my youth ministry days, and this is why I came up with this perspective initially, trying to help young people to date on the basis of friendship, not on the basis of romance, not to carry on with these, these mini marriages. If you're ready, you're old enough, you're ready to get married, and you wanna take that next step, then engagement is the next step. And that's when the, the beginning phases of this Eros exclusivity come in. But if you're gonna follow the scriptural example, then you wait until you get married in order to become sexually intimate with one another. And again, I know that this is not what most people are doing today, but I also know very, very well that this is the biblical model. This is what God wants, okay? Now, 
that's all the practical stuff, but let's just talk about very briefly or conclude with a passage of scripture um, where the Apostle Paul addresses a church, as I had uh, said to you earlier, um, that he was very, very close to, he felt very affectionate about. And this is the Philippian church. And I'm gonna read Philippians chapter two, um, because I wanna conclude with scripture. I've just been talking about theory and haven't quoted any scripture so far, but here it is. He tells the uh, Philippians, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, there's your, your koinonia and your friendship, if any tenderness and compassion, right? And this word compassion is that word splank known again that can mean affection. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, there is a, an appropriate affection that the people of God should have for one another. One of the reasons why we continue to have a welcome in here is because I want you to be able to express that affection to one another. I want you that are comfortable here and come here all the time to move to the people that don't come here very often or haven't ever been here and pay attention to them. Make them feel welcome. Don't take each other for granted. Sometimes even in families, we'll take each other for granted, right? When's the last time you hugged your kid? They said, well, just a second ago. Cool, right? Kid, when's the last time you told your parent that you really love them? and you appreciate them. We need to express these things to one another. We need to be open to one another. And uh, one of the things that the Apostle Paul addressed with the Corinthian church, which I'm teaching on on Wednesday nights, is that they were not very affectionate to him anymore. They were, they were closed off to him. Remember what I told you earlier about how distance uh, is the determinant uh, of intent? You can tell that people don't love each other anymore when they don't want to be near each other. They don't want to be in the same room. They don't want to be near each other. I can watch it happen in relationships with people. They just move further and further apart. So what is evident on the outside is what's actually going on in the relationship. They move further and further away from each other. They don't want to sit next to each other. They don't want to be around each other. They don't want to talk together. There's a problem. And you got to address that problem, right? And you know, again, I'm not trying to open up a can of worms and I'm not trying to be a marriage counselor, but hopefully I'm helping you to understand that there could be some signals there that you have been ignoring, right? Be open with people, love people, pay attention to people, shake their hand, give them a fist bump, give them a side hug, right? Give your kid a kiss. Just let's be a more affectionate people. I think that's something that I really like about Rick Warren. Um, the fellow that's gonna lead this study that we're doing, he's, he's a big hugger, that's what he said. I went to one of his conferences one time 
And he's just, that's just what he's always done. He's just a, he's like a big old Santa Claus type of guy and he just likes to hug everybody, right? And I think I used to be more like that. Our culture has gotten to such a place and it's just gotten so weird. And now I, you know, I'm older and I'm a single man and I don't wanna give off the wrong vibe to anybody for any reason. You know, if I hug you, if I, you know, fist bump, whatever, man, understand, it's just because I want you to feel welcome. I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel appreciated. Even people that don't agree with me, maybe I said some things today you don't agree with, that's okay. We can agree to disagree. It's absolutely okay. That's something we need to learn in our culture. We think that we can't be around anybody if they don't agree with every single thing that we say or think or feel. And that's just not the case, right? Let's just love each other. Let's be open with each other. Open your hearts to one another and express the kind of affection that will be appropriate in those relationships. 